Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 905 with Eric Shoemaker. You know, we're in the world of hospitality, taking care of people, and people drive by uh, so many other places that come to yours, and they're such a valued component of, of our success. We wouldn't be where we are without taking care of the guests. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant unstoppable, listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Did you know 42% of restaurant guests will eat elsewhere if their calls are missed? What? That's crazy. That's why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer the most common and simple questions people call with, like, do you have outdoor seating and what are your hours? Within the Pop Menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guests hear. Plus, create customized greetings. Here's your offer. Reclaim the power of your phone now with Pop Menu Answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get your $100 off your first month and learn more about Pop Menu's full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. I don't need to tell you that it's harder than ever right now to be a restaurateur. The cost of goods are going up. Labor expenses are going up. People don't want to work in the industry. Anybody who had experiences has gone on to different verticals or different industries. And we are just stuck with a lot of people who are very green. And how, how do we increase sales if nobody knows how to sell? Well, you empower them with the right tools. And one tool out there that you need to know about is called S. RV, which stands for Study Restaurant Variety, created by Roger Bodwin from Restaurant Rockstars. This is a tool that will help your team memorize your menu, your uh, your culture, uh, everything, anything you need to train them. Your entire training manual is now in an app and accessible anywhere. And there's a lot of data supporting that this is how the next generation of professionals prefer to learn. So if you need a tool out there to empower your staff, to train your staff, uh, to to give them the knowledge they need to be sales stars, then check out srvnow.com. Click the link that says request a demo and 
that will bring you to a page where you fill out your information. The very last field, make sure you let them know that Restaurant Unstoppable sent you their way. They will pay us a commission of $1,500 if you use that link and you you sign up with them. And I just have to say thank you in advance. We're trying to take Restaurant Unstoppable to the next level. And this is one way we can do that by just spreading the word about these tools. And uh, I believe in what they're doing over there. So you're in good hands. Uh, thank you in advance. All right. Do it now. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder and partner at 30 Hop and many other Iowa restaurants, Eric Shoemaker. My man, Eric, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am getting better every day. Yeah, man. I can get better. Were you hurt? <laughs> Just trying to improve okay. every step. I, of I like the way. that answer. I like that answer. So we're here today because obviously you're an awesome dude, awesome restaurateur. And Matt Swift called you out, one of your partners, wow. and uh, he was such a great guest. So if he respects and admires you, you know it's going to be a good one. I- I'm excited for this. No pressure. <laughs> but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Uh, for, for me, it's one that really resonates is uh, it's the little details that are vital. Little things make big things happen. Mm. Uh, old John Wooden. And uh, that's something from the early 2007 when we started Blackstone uh, has always resonated uh, with me at, at every stage of the career. Give me an example of how this is echoed through. Like, where are you doing the little things? Uh, that's one of our kind of fun sayings even amongst restaurants is we we joke around and say no bev nap no job no uh, bev nap no job and uh it's can be received a little harsh but it, it's meant to be fun in nature and kind of highlight if you can't take care of something as small as putting a bev nap on a table uh th- this probably isn't a good fit for you and if you can't do the small uh, something as inconsequential as a bev nap uh, what else aren't you doing? Mm. And BevNap plays so many um, roles in a guest experience. Uh, it marks the table for the rest of the staff to know that people have been taken care of. Then it also um, helps eliminate uh, potentially awkward situations, a condensation from the glass yeah. dripping on your lap. Yep. Nobody wants that. Yeah. Uh, what are, I like this idea of the little things. What are some other examples of little things that you do in your restaurants that you don't think other restaurants do? It's uh, it's a tough road because it's the constant attention to detail and uh, everything we do is focused around the guest experience and it's really easy to take for granted how something tiny, the smallest gesture could mean the world to somebody. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives and you know we're in the world of hospitality, taking care of people and um, people drive by uh, so many other places that come to yours and there's such a valued component of, of our success. Yeah. We wouldn't be where we are without taking care of the guest. I love it, man. Great way to get this thing started. Uh, I see that you went to college between 2001 and 2006. Uh, Iowa, what was the, the, I forget the name of the college, I'm not going to lie. University of Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> so a local boy, <laughs> Iowa City. Um, or did you grow up local? I moved to, to Iowa City around... Uh, 1998 uh and uh been here pretty much since where are you from so i i've lived all over i was born in idaho okay. uh, lived in arizona uh, moved here from north carolina got it got it so um you went to school what did you go to school for i started off with a uh, uh, degree in management and uh towards the tail end of that i realized holy crap i'm about to graduate and i don't feel ready to be out in the world and don't feel like i really got enough out of this 
um, <clears throat> experiment called college. And, yeah. um, definitely an experiment. <laughs> and so I, I, uh, double majored with uh, finance and then I also added an uh, entrepreneurship certificate. And- yeah, I think management is a great overarching like degree because it, it applies to so much, uh, but it's so general. You know, What mm-hmm. was it that made you want to fine tune and go a little bit more narrow with finance and entrepreneurship? The management just kind of seemed to come naturally uh, to me and the, the finance was where I, I felt like I was sharpening the blade a little bit yeah. and, uh, um, learning to be really analytical and wanting to learn behind the numbers and, and what, what really made things tick. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's such a critical part of business is man. It's all, you have to manage the numbers. If you don't understand the numbers, then go figure it out before you start opening a restaurant. Cause if you don't have the, I'm guilty of this when I started my podcast, even though there wasn't a ton of complication involved with a podcast, but just understanding cash flow management is so important. Knowing to put away a little bit, every, every dollar you make, you know, 20% of that should be going away to pay the taxes. You know, yeah. that's not your money. Little things like this will bite you. What, what are some of the other like big lessons you think you learned during that, that focus on finance that are serving you to this day? You, you know, I, I'm, like I said, when we, we started it, I'm learning every day and I, I did the book work, uh, payroll, um, and was HR for all of our, um, all the places I'm involved in, um, up until just after our fifth, um, unit. And so that, that made a lot of hectic things for me. And, and I really held on to that because it helped me feel justified and, and feel like I knew the business inside and out. Held on to what? Uh, those tasks, okay. uh, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing payroll for over 500 people, yeah. <laughs> uh, along with my, my daily role. How much do you save stuff. by doing that? I mean, as far as that's a lot of restaurants, I, I mean, but at the same time, I hear what you're saying, like, but there is something to that to be scrapping and be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause if you can, you know, if you can funnel that cash flow to other things, like other people that you might need to, to who's, who are strong or you're weak, maybe that's like, are you a great chef? Absolutely not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, um, so there is that, that give and take a little bit, but I, I love what you're saying. And um, what about entrepreneurship? Why entrepreneurship? You know, that, that was something that has been in me since I was a kid. Uh, I, I was always out hustling, uh, mowing lawns, shoveling yards or shoveling driveways and um, just always knew I had that entrepreneurial itch. And what is it about entrepreneur, entrepreneurism? Is that the word? Entrepreneurial? I don't know if there's a word. What is it about being an entrepreneur <laughs> that it appeals to you? It's the constant challenge. Yeah. You know, every day it's up to you to, to be successful or not. And uh, every day is different. Um, but it also opens up so many opportunities. Um, not so much financial, but, but personal as well. I've been so fortunate to have such a great network of um, friends and family that uh, really get the warm and fuzzies going for you. Yeah. I love that. Um, so you graduate college, <laughs> what's going on? Where are you in life? I, I fell into a cubicle job, uh, which is the antithesis of, uh, being an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, I, I lasted, uh, about a year in that was banging my head against the wall and, um, uh, kind of had the, the wherewithal to poke one of my close friends from high school, uh, Matt Swift, who recommended me, uh, uh, as he was, uh, just in the beginning phases of opening a new restaurant with, um, his mother and another, uh, seasoned, uh, restaurateur. 
and they were looking to have someone that had some to have some skin in the game to help them run it and it was very serendipitous and everything clicked and um we're off to the races so how did you you said you high school you knew matt or yeah um where did where is he from iowa city oh so you moved here to iowa city while you're in high school you didn't come here for college correct okay gotcha gotcha um what is it about matt when he approached you that made you just say yes was it like a right away yes or did you have to think about it or like take us to that point um matt was always the dreamer and uh had had the vision and uh we could tell he was always going somewhere yeah um so I, I was very fortunate to be able to hop on early on that ride. So when it comes to the the dreamer, the visionary in partnerships, there's usually only room for one of those people, mm-hmm. right? You had that entrepreneur degree, that that passion. Was there a little bit of overlap there? There is a little bit. Uh, large part of my role is really integrating um, that the visionary uh uh, vision and and making that come to life so i i really um try to thrive at making things work yeah so what happens when you have two people who are partners uh i mean i'm sure you weigh in on occasion it's not just the matt swift show i'm sure you have ideas <laughs> too that you, you you throw into the the ring how do you find that balance of whose idea gets chosen sure and it's uh you know uh we, we have other partners as well um that have been incredible parts of our success but uh for me almost to a fault i I really try to soak in what everyone else is saying and and try to help realize their their visions um but we also are very frank with each other and if we disagree we're we're um we share radical candor yeah and one uh, one of the core values hash it out yeah we went through those core values (laughs) deep with ben smart one of the other partners i don't know if you are you you have operations that it's so confusing. There's so many partners involved. <laughs> we we kind of uh, unpackage this. If you guys have not checked out uh, Ben Smart and Matt Swift's episode, I highly recommend you do that because um, yep. Big Grove. We we kind of talk a lot more about those restaurants, uh, which I don't think you're a part of. Are you a part of the Big Grove? Not a partner, uh, a, a fan. Okay, um, but Matt and Ben both have other restaurants that you are involved in. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it gets a little confusing. We're going to do our best to keep it all straight <laughs> today. Um, so let's go back to uh, Matt Swift approaches you. Um, you kind of got into what it was about Matt. He's the idea guy. He, you always knew he was going places. Before we get into that, I kind of want to unpackage this um, this great American lease company that you're working for. You're doing CRM, Customer Relationship Management. Mm-hmm you must've picked up some skills there that are serving you to this day. Cause I mean, we just have way more customers now, right? Sure. So yeah, absolutely. What, what did you learn anything that has stuck with you to this day? Yeah. And you know, calling it a cubicle job, it doesn't give that company justice. Uh, what really drew me to them was, was their employee culture. And, uh, they were a up and coming company, uh, and really knocking down a lot of doors. And they taught me a lot about, taking care of your, uh, team, uh, sharing success together and, um, being part of something bigger. So what do they teach you about taking care of your team and being a part of something bigger? Like give us some examples and then how does, how are you applying that today? Uh, sharing success. Number one, uh, for me being fresh out of college, um, after company hit a, a monthly goal, 
the uh, owner of the company, um, Tony, walked around and, and gave every single person a $100 bill. So um not sure if he had security following him or not, but he uh, he, he had a pretty big stack of uh, $100 bills um, that you could see how much that meant uh, on so many different levels to people um, that when he was successful, they were successful. And um, that stage in life, you know, that was, that was a big deal uh, for me that a hundred dollars um, got me a lot of places. Got it. What about being a part of something bigger? How, how are, did you feel like you were a part of something bigger? They, uh, they did a phenomenal job of sharing their vision and, and kind of growth trajectory and um, explained how they were going to get there and, and why they wanted to go there. Um, the Great America was a loose uh, spinoff of GE Finance, and uh, that's where um, Tony and um, uh, Tony started, and uh, he, he decided to go out and do it his own, and uh, um, he really ran with that and has created such an uh, incredible company. Got it, got it. The way the restaurant industry is going with automation and robotics Invent, I think vending is going to be a big part of the like other restaurant industry, the food service industry, mm-hmm. as that that industry evolves technologically. Do you ever see yourself getting back into that as as a, an entrepreneur? I think there's a ton of opportunity here, and with your background in it, I, I wonder sometimes if you've seen that opportunity. If you're looking into it, you know, I I just went to the NRA show. Um, yeah, how was that? And it was great. Great. Um, I uh, was lucky enough to go with my wife, um, who used to. Um, work for a, a, a her family popcorn company. Okay, and uh, so it was fun to get her back in that that world again because she used to have to work the the booths at, at the trade shows. And um, I went uh, with one of the major insights looking for where we are in technology and and labor's killing everybody. That's not getting it any better. We're seeing the mass exodus. Um, from our industry to other industries and I, I wanted to kind of see where everyone was going with it and the most shocking thing at being at the, at the NRA show was I saw one robotic arm yeah flippy yeah it, and it, it is, that, just, is that who it was miso miso robotics yep. flippy yeah we recently yeah. just had them on the show if you guys are interested in learning more about that what did, what did you learn so it, what was surprising was that was the only person trying to do that and decompressing from from that trip it it really made me think back on again the root of hospitality people are coming out to be served and um, everything about a restaurant in our industry is about the people and we we wouldn't be where we are without the people Um, that's why people choose this experience and you know the kiosks at mcdonald's or um, any other places that you go those, those are great time savers but at the end of the day, I, I really don't see us being able to get too far away from uh, genuine table service. And, and that, that was really enlightening for me and, and invigorating. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to think that well, you're, you're absolutely going to see more automation and people who are in a hurry that just want to grab something and go. But you're also going to this type of stuff like high, high touch experiential dining. Uh, that's not going anywhere because people also want to slow down and hang out with their friends and take a load off. Like, mm-hmm. so I think people get worried, like like restaurants as we know them are going away. I don't think that's true. What are your thoughts as I'm saying this? I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, at, at the end of the day, uh, 
re- restaurants are a part of the community and uh, we're, we're um, major pieces of people's lives. You know, one of my favorite things uh, working at Blackstone over the years was seeing the generations come through yeah. and, you know, the, the family has the kids now, now the kids are grown or their kids just had kids and just seeing the different generations evolve through the restaurant. Um, and then also seeing that from the staffing side, seeing people that started off as a host work, uh, working 16 years yeah. old, uh, working their way through high school and then college and then after college, working their way up to uh, become general manager uh, of a unit. And, and that's um, those types of relationships are just yeah. so special. I love that. Um, so back on this idea <laughs> of vending machines, um, did you was was Sally there by any chance? Do you know what I'm talking about yep. when I say Sally? Mm-hmm. So DoorDash just recently purchased Sally. I'm trying to get them on the show, but that's essentially a vending machine. Like, do you see yourself as an entrepreneur who breaks outside of just the restaurant brick and mortar operations? You also have an edging company. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. <laughs> um, do you see yourself dabbling in in vending since you have a background in it? Is that, is that of interest to you? Uh, honestly, no. Okay. I, and one thing that I, I'm learning is. Uh, Time is so precious right now, and um, uh, doing what I can to eliminate the noise to allow me to spend time with my family and uh, also take care yeah. of our teams. That, that's the most important. I was taking a little bit of a shot in the dark, I have to admit, but I was curious yeah. if there was something there because <laughs> of the connection. Uh, so moving forward, back to where Matt reaches out to you and says, hey, we want to open a restaurant. We want you to be a part of this. We're looking for somebody with steak. Um what were your initial thoughts? Like, were you scared? You don't have any restaurant background at this point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I bartended through college. Okay. Um, and, uh, kind of worked every position. I got hired as a bouncer. Okay. Uh, so you do have funny. a little bit of experience in the restaurant industry before jumping on board. You're not yeah, completely strange a, to it. A wild college bar. I, I don't, I, I, uh, try to temper the, that expectation. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, um, kind of working my way through every position um, in, at that organization through um, college uh, taught me a lot, and um, you, you know, very thankful for that time. But when we started Blackstone, it, it took me a good six months, uh, and I had that imposter syndrome. And um, Matt one day finally told me, "Hey, man, it's okay to be the boss." And I, I realized my biggest struggle was. Um, uh, being able to accept that I didn't have all the answers and I was very much learning on the fly, um, every day and was so incredibly fortunate to have such high caliber team uh, around me. Um, and, uh, so many of those people have either become, um, lifelong friends or honestly partners. Uh, how well. do you, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Because you mentioned this earlier when, even when we were setting up, like you're <laughs> like, ah, oh, I feel like an imposter. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're you, six, you have your partner, six restaurants. You guys are killing it. You're, you're running Iowa city. Like, what do you mean imposter uh, syndrome? So how, how have you dealt with that? Well, it, first and foremost, it, it's not about me and, and this type of thing is outside the norm for me. I, I, I usually like to be the cheerleader, uh, and making sure things work behind the scenes. So, so that this is a unique experience for me. Um, but the, uh, for me, I, I almost use that, the feeling, uh, of kind of being an imposter as a advantage of that's where I can dig in and learn and, um, ask for help. You know, I, I'm, I know that I don't know everything and, 
uh, I, I learned something every day and wouldn't be anywhere near where we are today without the help of everybody that uh, we've worked with. Yeah. And um, it's funny. So you said it right out of the gates when I asked you about imposter syndrome, you said, it's not about me. And I think that for me, when we were talking off air while we were setting up, I was like, you feel like you have imposter syndrome. I was like, I have a restaurant business podcast <laughs> and I don't own a restaurant. Like I have imposter syndrome, but what helps me personally, and you said it too, you said, you said, it's not about me. And when you take the focus off of you and you make it about everybody else, that's mm-hmm. what helps me. Like when I show up for this podcast, because I know that it helps people who are going through it every day. When I put the focus on them, I immediately, that, that shit gets out of my head. And I feel like, that's there's some similarity there with what you said. It's not about me. So absolutely. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by it's not about me? You, you know, doing payroll uh, as, as an analogy, that was a constant reminder of we're in charge of people's livelihoods, and if we're not successful, that means that we're not able to help these people provide for their families, their lives, and um, th- that made it really raw and real. Um, everything we do is centered around the guest experience, mm. uh, and we wouldn't be able to do anything without our team. And, and so our, our team is really the cog that makes everything function and they, they don't get enough credit for the the great work that they do day in, day out. So when Matt approached you, where was Blackstone in the process of being open? Was this, did he come like very early on vision phase or was yep. this, okay. Yep. What was that like for you? What were the biggest challenges for you personally going through opening your first restaurant? Where was the pain? Uh, finding my voice uh, was, was hard. It, you know, it, it, it took uh, a bit of time until I felt comfortable speaking up and speaking my mind um outer how to be the boss <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh well in, in even amongst our, our partners um mm. and you know I, when when i do something i'm all in i i moved across the street from the restaurant and uh was there uh practically every day for seven years and matt spoke to your hustle that was, i was like what i was when i was asking him i was like what does eric bring to the table he said operations standpoint and hustle so talk to us about that you know, it, it's the the constant improvement. And uh, if I'm not producing something, feeling productive, or helping, having engaging conversations, um, I, I'm not able to sleep at night. My mind won't stop turning. And um, it, it's constantly looking to see how I can help, um, who I can help, who I need to learn from, uh, areas for growth. And, uh, it's just that, that drive that, um, keeps me, uh, keeps me going, keeps me invigorated. And, um, I, I have a hard time sitting on my hands. Yeah. Um, so let's wrap up this idea of finding your voice. Ultimately, what was it that helped you find your voice? Uh, realizing that everything isn't bigger than than it seems you know so much Everything of life is not bigger or is, is? is not okay uh you, you know i i see a lot of starry-eyed young adults uh graduating college without their true uh true path figured out yet and and, and i recognize that and i pull them aside and say hey everything's okay this is the best time right now <laughs> and uh what do you mean by this is the best time specifically you, you know this is the time for them to go out and do 
whatever they feel like. Just ex- just experience ex- the world. Explore, be, gain perspective. And uh, what I try to um, share with them is the people that I've seen that just focus on whatever task they're doing, doing it the best of their ability, the doors that that opens for them, uh, whether it's related to that specific task or not, um, are incredible. Why do you think that's the case? People who just focus on doing one thing instead of, you know, putting that energy yep. execution. Why is that? Why does that open the doors? Well, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a firm believer on if you're going to do something, you, you do it right. And uh, if you start taking shortcuts, that shows up uh, down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said. Um, it's not as big as it seems. I think I, I maybe everything is not as big as it seems. Mm-hmm. I think I understand what you mean by that, but are you saying like the world can be intimidating and like when you're young and you're trying to figure it out, you see what everyone else has and you must think to yourself, holy shit, like I'll never get there. But are you, is what you're saying is that where these other people are, isn't necessarily as far away as you think it is. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And you know, from the process of opening a restaurant, you know, that seems like such a daunting task and, uh, when you break it down, it really isn't. And once you start taking those steps, you take that first step to develop your business plan, cultivate your idea. Um, you you can start menu testing at home on on yourself. Mm. Um, once you start creating that deck or or in creating that idea, taking the first steps, you say deck, you mean pitch deck? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I view it more as kind of a, a collective concept idea. And, um, then when you get to the point that you can take that to a bank and then all of a sudden the financing comes through, you, you find your place. Um, that's the perfect spot. You find your team. Uh, you know, everything happens for a reason and opening a restaurant, uh, on a one dimensional plane that looks like such a unsurmountable task. But as soon as you start making, uh, specific steps towards that goal, uh, things really start to snowball. What's the trick to making such a big audacious thing not feel so big? You know, it's taking that first step. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the, the difference. Uh, I, I've heard, hear the term entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, and, and you know, everyone has great ideas and, uh, but nobody knows to just take that first step. Yeah. And it, what I'm hearing from you, it reminds me a lot of, uh, the book, eat that frog like how do you mm-hmm. eat a big gross frog right mm-hmm. one bite at a time you break it up you take mm-hmm. you eat the toe and then <laughs> well what's next the like you know the next toe and then all the toes are gone well let's eat the heel mm-hmm. and then let's eat the, the the i don't know the the part from your heel to your your knee what's that called? the tibia what's that called? i don't know <laughs> i'm not into that world but anyway uh, like you just eat one bite at a time and before you know it it's gone Mm-hmm. you've finished it mm-hmm. right and it, it when you when you're looking at the entire gross ugly slimy frog you're like how am i ever going to get that thing down mm-hmm. but once you start like you said the momentum just kind of takes over and you just go and you go and, yep. and it's it it's that easy you know it's that hard too yep because gross frogs are gross <laughs> <laughs> and, and but, you know it's a lot of fun to do it um with other people yeah as well if Why you're doing that, that process yeah. by yourself um you know that that could could be a major drawback and if you're not looking for a perspective or uh, insight from others or or sharing the journey yeah. uh, th- that's a major miss and that that's been a major part of our um 
growth successes. Every time we've opened a new concept, that's been um, that the managing partner for that concept has been a person that's worked with us um, previously. And um, we continue to try to replicate that. And, uh, you know, so much of our growth wouldn't be there without our people. And so our, our job is almost turning more into cultivating the talent. Yes, that's exactly it, man. Uh, that, that is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned. The most successful restaurateurs aren't trying to create opportunity for themselves. They're trying to create opportunity for others. And when you create opportunity for other people, it just so happens to be you, you're, you are one of the many benefactors, mm-hmm. right? And if you, and I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you, you started talking <laughs> too about, um, you know, it's, it's much easier with other people. And there's a lot of this goes back and forth. And I hear people who are of the school of thought of, you know, you don't need partners like stake like equity stake partners. You need just to take care of your people. And that's just as effective. And there, there's probably some truth to that. But I, I tend to lean in the direction of partnerships, even mm-hmm. though they are hard. You started to talk about it's not as it's not as hard when you have partners. So get into the details of why that's true. Well, it's an immediate support system. And, you know, Right now, for me, what jumps out is my, my number one partner is, is my wife. And, you know, she's um, not an equity partner, per se, in, in the businesses. But I wouldn't be able to do anything that I do without her and, uh, and, and our little three-year-old girl. Um, being able to come home and have that love and um, support that they do everything they can to um, set me up for success. Uh, I, I don't know where I'd be without that. And you know, you can be having the hardest day. And as soon as a little girl comes, runs over, gives you a hug, all that melts away and, and you get that reset. Um, from a partner level, uh, it, it's the sounding boards and, um, you know, partnerships are tough. Um, but when you're able to kind of see through the difficult conversations, it, it, it's re- really incredible how powerful the different, uh, viewpoints are. And, um, if you're not, able to realize uh the value in that that's a huge miss um the it that really keep, keeps me sharp and you know it helps keep us from spending frivolously from growing erratically um it, it's kind of just a, a built-in um backstop yeah so back um to blackstone you guys open or this the the story starts in 2007 mm-hmm. um matt swift is one of your partners who's your other partner uh, Matt's mom, Faye Swift, and then, uh, Brian Flynn, um, is, was our last partner. So, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I knew there, there, there was started to be a story. Matt was telling the story after the recording. What was Faye's role in hel- helping Blackstone happen? Yeah, she, she kind of started it off, uh, as kind of a cocktail napkin conversation with, um, uh, Flynn and, uh, kind of they 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 went from there and they they started thinking well we need someone to operate it well matt is looking for something to do and then uh matt was had his hands in another operation as well as like i can't do all of these things right now and so we need more help and yeah but she got the financing was this the the restaurant black zone the restaurant that was launched because of the financing the loan she was able to get uh she was instrumental in the the conceptual vision um, so drove a lot of the design and, um, menu. Okay. Um, 
Was was that and, loan and more Flynn to support the much Reds? more of a what's that? Was that loan more to support Reds? I think it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's there's so many restaurants going on. It's hard to yes. get everything straight. Uh, thank you for getting into that. So, um, what was Flynn's role? So, your if your operations, mm-hmm. Matt's more visionary ideas, pulling mm-hmm. everything together. Um, Flynn and uh, Faye are. What are they doing? Yeah, Faye, Faye kind of uh, helped with the vision side of things, and uh, Flynn and I speak uh, very similar languages okay. in terms of operations, and uh, he really helps with the larger uh, relationships and conversations. So he he was the one working on the the financing and really the nitty gritty details, all the legal and insurance. Okay. And um, just again, looking at the evolution of Black Zone, you guys have been open now for what over twenty, almost twenty-two years. Is that nope. right? No, nope. fifteen years. Fifteen years. September. My math is yep. horrible. Sorry. Um, fifteen years. Uh, the evolution of Black Zone. You guys had that from you started two thousand seven. The next restaurant you opened wasn't until two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. So you had a seven-year run where this is the only thing you're doing. Safe mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, it, you know that was. The big, uh, the big change for me in my career was one day I, I, I kind of took a step back and realized that I was on a hamster wheel and was so focused on day-to-day operations and being excellent within those four walls um, that I took a step out and realized my partners were doing other, um, uh, other um, establishments and other projects, and I wasn't able to do that because I was so... Uh, dialed into everything Blackstone. Was there resentment there? Uh, no. Okay. I, why I, not? You know, it, that's what I signed up for. And uh, were they clear with you from day one, like you're going to be the operating partner? Yep. yep. So, did they? Is it because how did you decide that? Like when you come together, like we're, you're going to do the work, mm-hmm. we're going to be working on other projects, but this is your <laughs> baby. How does that the conversation happen? You know, it's a heck of an opportunity, it, yeah. And to be able to realize that dream so early in my life, um, I was very fortunate and didn't want to. Um, did they have look more, the gift horse in the mouth? Yeah, per se. Did they have more stake in the, the business? Did, were you did you, were you a smaller? Yeah, Matt, Matt and I were okay. uh, smaller, um, okay. but uh, for me. It really comes down to I, I decided I was choosing to work in the operation in, instead of um, growing, and so I, I I had that realization and I took a step back and decided to elevate myself in the company. Yeah, and, and then that's where um, then we started talking about doing thirty hop and and growing yeah into the other things. I'm worried that it might sound like I'm ridiculing you, and that's absolutely not the case. I'm actually really excited. I'm looking forward to making an example of you because what you did, I think, is exactly what you need to do. People get distracted by big shiny objects, mm-hmm. you know, and they get their first project going, and they immediately once they feel like oh there's it. It's going. It's good. We're making money. They get a, a you know a little bit into the black, and they start making some extra money. They get their their ego starts to inflate. They think that they're you know unstoppable mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> pun not necessarily <laughs> intended, and then they overextend themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you chose to do is keep your head down and how can I make make this one thing better every day? Mm-hmm. What happens when you do that? You know, there's a lot of pride and. Uh, I, I can't take, uh, any credit for that. It, really, it's that team that we had, um, that, uh, really made that come, uh, come to fruition and w- without the people there, um, 
none of this would have happened today. Blackstone was the foundation for everything that Matt ended up doing, has ended up um, doing so far, and um, as well as me. And yeah, and we're we're very thankful for that. And Blackstone all always has that fond spot in, yeah. in our heart. Also, divide and conquer, mm-hmm. right? Um, so during this time from 2007 to 2014. Matt went off, and I don't know if um, your other partner, uh, Flynn, mm-hmm. went off and did anything, um, yep. but Matt opened uh, Reds in 2009, and in 2013, he opened Big Grove Brewery in, uh, I want to say, Solon. Yep. I finally am saying that town correctly. I've been calling it Salon this entire time. <laughs> um, so he's out there generating up more business, and maybe that's more his strength. Your strength mm-hmm. is hustle and, and operations and detail, right? Mm-hmm. You guys found your lanes, but in him going out and doing that, he was also able to create more opportunity for you in the future mm-hmm. as bringing in more cash to, to go into more. Am I, am I right or wrong? I don't want to make assumptions. I'm kind of reading between the yeah. lines here, so feel free to correct me. We we grew together, uh, and uh, the projects that we've done, we've done on uh, pretty equal footings, uh, and, and really... For me, I, I was able to kind of see what was going on, and then springboard and, and kind of join that yeah. that party. But, but I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is, when he was out d- focusing on those other projects, he needed somebody to, to to focus on the one thing that the the state like the thing that started it all, right? Because yep. yep. people ignore that is what I'm trying to say, and that thing that started it all crumbles, mm-hmm. and then they can't keep it all going together. So by having that that person who's who is a partner. An operating mm-hmm. partner who holds that shit together. Eventually, you got your opportunities to go out, and by 2014, you're opening Thirty Hop, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, what, what's going through your mind? If I, if I'm off, but in any way, feel free to tell me I'm an <laughs> idiot because I don't want to make assumptions. Well, that's uh, uh, both yes and no. Okay. Uh, we don't expect anybody to um, work with us their their entire career. We we hope to cultivate and develop everyone so they go on to bigger, better things. And, and we're, we're a part of that stepping stone for them. Um, and operationally, uh, you know, it's really easy to get stagnant without change as well. And you have to continually evolve. And, um, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did without, um, uh, Sam who came in and, uh, took over the reins at Blackstone, um, for me. Um, that's and, Sam from SabinSam.com. He's it up is. over in the corner. He's been traveling <laughs> with us. He, he's also a great restaurant operator. He is. He is. And, uh, you know, you know, incredibly lucky to, to call Sam a, a, a friend and, and very much view him, uh, as a partner in, in everything that we've done and to have him be entrusted to take over what I, uh, sweat over for, uh, seven years. That, that was such a, um, monumental thing. And, um, you, you know, for us, the growth is all about the people and it's, uh, it's not fair to expect to kind of paint someone into one corner in my opinion. And, uh, you know, the first step of the growth is getting that store and, and then it, why does it have to stop there? Um, our, our managing partner for 30 hop, uh, Dan Bloom was another original employee at, at, uh, um, Blackstone and, uh, after college he graduated, uh, and moved to Colorado. And, um, after about a year we started, uh, out there, we were talking about, uh, 30 hop. And so he moved back, uh, to become a part of that. And 
he's been such a um the thumping heart lifeblood of everything that is 30 hop and um now he's grown that into uh four units of his own yeah so before we start talking about 30 hop this this is the 30 hop that opened in 2014 where we're seeing today correct mm-hmm. uh what where did you get blackstone from maybe two or three years in to seven years in when you when, when you're feeling like okay i can go redirect my focus on another project mm-hmm. what things happened at blackstone to get to that point what was the evolution of blackstone i stopped uh scheduling myself as much uh it, it didn't mean that i wasn't there but i i kind of learned i wasn't able to work on the business when i was in the business mm-hmm. um and, and so i i went down to a, a four day a week um schedule um and, and that uh started really offloading a lot more of the um day-to-day responsibilities to my um assistant general manager which was sam and um really got gave him the opportunity to cut his teeth on on running the restaurant um but then also allowed me to look at the bigger picture of of things on hey where are blind spots what are we doing and it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day that um without being able to take a step back we don't realize what where we're missing um it it's really easy to go into um a restaurant that isn't yours and look around and be oh the lights are too bright the music's too quiet or um point out everything they're not doing right um and which is kind of the vicious cycle of of our industry but uh do we do that to ourselves and do we have the the wherewithal to realize hey we're not as good as we think we are and these are our blind spots and let's start working on these, start chipping away and um, just focus on being the best in every uh, aspect that we can. So as you start scheduling yourself less, you, you first, you build up Sam, you get Sam to the point where you feel like he can take on some of your responsibilities so you can schedule mm-hmm. yourself less. When you start that doing that transition from working into working on what was your prioritization of the things that you needed to take care of first to further remove yourself from the day to day? Sure. Well, and honestly, to speak to Sam's um, character, like he he was practically pushing me out because he <laughs> he was such a high caliber uh, uh, person. Um, my my priority was ultimately uh, making sure that we're financially solvent, that we're we're profitable, um, and eliminating the noise for the partners. Uh, you know, that was something that I, I really was proud of. That, what was the noise? Uh, any issues, okay. uh, operational, uh, uh, there's no drama. There's, uh, nothing that I, I wanted my partners so comfortable with operations that they knew that they could just come by once a month for a P and L review and say, Hey, here's, here's how profitable we were. Um, here's what we're working on and, uh, this is where we're going and uh um really be able to report to them uh and show them what a great job the team was doing so your focus it sounds like your focus was on the numbers and fine-tuning the numbers and tweaking like what can Mm -hmm. we do where are the numbers and how can i influence numbers working through my team absolutely okay what about your systems and processes did you start working on those to influence the numbers Uh, yes i'm a huge uh checklist uh fan so i i I'm uh, everything that we can document and or uh, systematize. Uh, I, I love it. Um, reading E Myth was one of those books that yeah. kind of click in the aha moment. What of, was the aha for you? 
it, it was getting off that wheel and, and build the system. Uh, so then it's not about um, if if a cook doesn't show up, uh, you don't have to worry about having to close for the yep. day. You know, hearing hearing those stories, it's like those are the, the difference between a people dependent operation and a system dependent operation. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, and, and you know, people are absolutely the heart and soul of the organization, but without the systems in place, they're ultimately going to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And if we're not giving them those tools, the path, the direction, they're going to kind of wander around and, and um, then the guest experience uh, suffers because of it. Yeah. So when did this book come into your life? Not early enough. I, <laughs> you know, Was uh, it around the time you were giving Sam more responsibility in scheduling yourself less? I, honestly, uh, it didn't come until... Boy, I would say a couple of years after we opened 30 Hop. Okay. And, and for me, it was kind of that click of this is what I've been like feeling deep down and, and haven't been able to articulate. What do you mean by this is what I was feeling? What part of the, that book was what you were feeling? The the creating the systems in the process and, and um, that set you up for growth and, and success. And it was just something that I felt deep down um, that there, there had to be an easier way to do things, um, in a way to make things more consistent, uh, for every aspect that, um, we, we didn't, why were we making things so hard? You yeah. kind of go into the, everything isn't as big as it seems yeah. uh, conversation. I love this. So anything else in regards to your story at Blackstone that we left out that was key to your evolution in the, the evolution of the greater partnerships. Sure. You know, Blackstone has been, um, tough for us, uh, the last couple of years. Um, after, uh, Sam, uh, was able to go and seek, uh, his, uh, opportunities as well. Um, you know, we kind of took our eye off the ball with that. And, and that was such a, um, great lesson um, for us let's bookmark that because i feel like that comes later in your timeline (laughs) Um, but i think it's absolutely important and Mm -hmm. then i'm gonna put a little note here at the bottom of my list to to come back to that so talk to us actually now's a great time to take a break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to talk about how you started to pivot your focus on 30 hop Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using like toast to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven 
S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. We're back and let's start talking about how this opportunity for 30 hop the years 2014, um, you get Blackstone to the point where you've replaced yourself with people and systems. Uh, now you're, it's time to grow. It's time to, to do something else. What, what was the story behind 30 hop? You know, 30 hop was, we had the opportunity to dip our toe in a uh, new development that, um, had a lot of promise. Uh, previously it was a truck stop, uh, some old softball fields and, and really just kind of a dilapidated pocket, uh, with a fantastic location. Um, what made it a fantastic location? It's uh, centrally located right on the cusp of Iowa city, um, right off the interstate. And uh, so the, the access to, from not only Iowa city, but the interstate, um, there's really no other location like that in our area. What is this area called today? Today it's called the Iowa river landing. Okay. And it's a, um, a uh, pretty large mixed use development uh with a lot of uh, retail uh hotel um and uh, uh some residential as well there's so. an arena there's like i think i counted at least three or four separate like uh housing like condominium co- mm-hmm. complexes uh how many hotels are there like four hotels three hotels there's four in the immediate vicinity with another all within a half mile within uh, uh yeah within a block, so. yeah seriously within a block um what there, else there's is a here? field house attached to the arena yeah um and yeah it's uh and they're not done there, there's more uh more to come yeah so obviously this sounds like a great opportunity you can't pass that up how did this opportunity find you uh through our partners so uh, which partner specifically is this where flynn comes in so yeah, Flynn, uh, Flynn kind of helped, uh, Faye was part of this as well. Um, but she decided after we started the conversation that, um, she was kind of in the place in her life that she wanted to press pause on, on growth and, um, gave us the blessing to move forward without her. Okay. Uh, so, which was incredibly gracious. Thank you, Faye. Yeah. Right. A little tip of the hat to Faye. So was this building that you're we're in right now the first of the buildings that were was built for the river landing the there's a university clinic uh next door to us it's um seven or eight stories um that was first um but we started construction shortly um after they completed um and then there was a one hotel down uh on the river that um, was there as well as the first kind of retail block um so there were two restaurants um, and, uh, condos above them. So yeah, that, that was kind of the first sliver. Um, but where 30 op is located is, is really in the heart of the development. And, um, we're positioned, um, on the street corner facing the arena. And I, I remember having conversations with the, the architect who was also the arc overall architect for the development and the vision and, verifying like so you're telling us that there's an arena going across the street right yeah, you, you right. promise like, yeah. <laughs> oh you guys got prime location uh a little bit about this space how many people does this sit inside we see a little over 200 uh uh the main level patio seats uh another 100 people uh and then we're the first uh rooftop patio in our area as well and that seats a little over 130 okay um so all together about 430 on the, yep. the, the best of days yes uh, and I think it's also worth 
pointing out too that in this within what maybe a quarter mile or less a tenth of a mile you have mm-hmm. how many other of your restaurants we have three now total so so you have including three up we uh, have tribute which we um took over a restaurant that um wasn't seeing success and uh um, rehab that turned that into tribute was that built around the same time as 30 hop we closed on the deal to take over tribute in uh uh the failing restaurant though yes the, yeah. the, that was built around the same time uh that came a year or two after okay. um I, I would say two years after 30 hop opened um and uh yeah and we we took that over a month before the pandemic hit you know we we thought they were crazy for throwing the towel in um just as the arena was starting to um, come, uh, see, see the light of day. And, uh, we saw that huge opportunity. Um, then after the, um, pandemic, the arena was open, starting to get going and, um, they had a huge retail space attached to it. Um, that was street facing that, um, we, we saw the opportunity to, uh, cultivate another concept that wouldn't necessarily hurt or other concepts either that um, really create more of a district uh, feeling that we have three different venues with all very different vibes. Yeah. So um, looking at my timeline here, it wasn't almost until four or six years later until tribute in athletics clubs was eight years later Mm -hmm. where you had your three restaurants, including 30 hop in this Mm -hmm. area. Um, But I guess the point is like, you got a lot going on in this little space. And I think there's something to be said to that as far as like efficiencies, like you can move people around easily. I don't know if you can mm-hmm. move people between locations if you're short in one spot or maybe not. Uh, no, we, we don't do that. Okay. Uh, from a labor law rules, oh, right. you have to be uh, really careful. And, and so um, that unfortunately is something that uh, even if, if people want to work, uh, we're, we're not able to let them uh, transfer back got and got forth. It. So, Sorry, go ahead. But but the restaurants and uh, thirty up to the that team um, doesn't get enough credit for being being the feeder the the talent talent developer that it is that yeah um, our uh, general manager um, and opening chef uh, for tribute came from thirty hop. Our managing partner for um, athletic club was a original employee at at thirty hop and. Um, the, the chef there was the chef at uh, 30 hop before moving down there as well. I love that, man. That, that, that sings to my heart. That's what this is all about is creating opportunity for other people. And I always, I say often, it's like, when do you know when it's time to scale? When Mm -hmm. you have so many people in one location that there's not enough room for growth with one location, you have to open another location to move people up. Right. Mm -hmm. It sounds, is that what, is that? Absolutely. Yeah. We don't do, um, horizontal uh or lateral moves in, uh amongst our organization if, if uh when people are moving to different units it, it's always a vertical move and um that's the stuff that really makes it special and, and realize that we're part of something bigger yeah we're going to come back to this i want to bring the attention back to the original vision for 30 hop so what mm-hmm. was the vision for 30 hop we had a bucket list of uh, things and you know it ended up being uh matt uh Brian and I, and uh, we kind of sitting around and dreaming up all all the things that we always wanted to do that nobody else was doing. No one else had done a rooftop patio, and uh, we we didn't understand it. Uh, 
craft beer had just been getting going. Um, Red's um, Ale House was was really the tip of the spear for that in our area, and uh, nobody had that huge uh, um, draft list, and, and so we wanted to do over 60 beers on tap and yeah. we're, we're sitting at 90 um here is where we landed so that's beautiful so uh talking to matt swift we get into a lot of reds and the the vision for reds this is 2012 to i think or 2008 when he was doing that so the, the craft beer movement was really starting to pick up mm-hmm. hadn't quite reached iowa uh you guys kind of found a, win, a winning formula in focusing on the, the craft beer vertical right and you wanted to take that to here to this location yeah and and really introduce a urban concept uh everything that we've done in, uh, up until that point were, were more neighborhood restaurants and 30 hop was really our first stab at doing uh something more modern uh and, and urban that new construction yeah. yeah yeah um so is this the first time we hear brian's name in all the restaurants as a partner brian is flynn uh oh, okay yeah so <laughs> we we call him flynn um we we treat him like he's uh 80 years old but he, he's really uh <laughs> Um, not, uh, not much older than us, but he, he's kind of the, we joke that he's the godfather of our group and, uh, he, uh, he has a number of other ventures under his belt. Um, but is incredible, um, source of information and, uh, perspective. Yeah. So, um, see, so how big was Blackstone? I've never seen it. I don't, I don't have, how many seats was that total? Uh, Blackstone has grown over the years. Uh, we started off at just over 5,000 square feet. Um, and now it's, uh, just over 8,000 square feet. Um, when you made the transition to 30 hop, how big mm-hmm. was it? Uh, 8,000 square feet, uh, seating 231 people. Okay. So not too much smaller than this. Still a big, decent sized restaurant. That's a yep. that's respectful size so restaurant. With, with the growth, it's kind of sprawling. It has a unique setup that, uh, it has a dining room side, um, and then on the other side of the restaurant is more of a bar side. So it kind of has the vibrant bar or the quiet, more intimate dining room. What were your, your unique challenges with 30 Hop that you had not yet experienced? Uh, the, the 30 Hop, uh, we realized pretty quickly why other people weren't doing rooftop uh, uh-huh. bars. Uh, the construction uh, component uh, took uh, much longer and was much more involving than anybody expected. The construction component of building the rooftop or mm-hmm. the construction around the business? Uh, the every, yes, okay. to, <laughs> yes to everything. Uh, the, the components required, uh, the legal parameters uh, for things. Uh, we opened and under the, using the, a rule that if the patio rooftop was less than 3000 square feet of usable area, we'd be able to, um, we wouldn't have to put in an elevator. Um, and what we didn't realize was because we had a, we have, we have a basement as well that had, um, employee lockers, uh, available that turned that into a usable space. So oh, that threw man. that rule out and, so we we had a fun hiccup um, a, a year after being open of, of having to figure out how to add an elevator. Uh, so is this an Iowa City Iowa unique like parameter or is this general federal, the rule federal federal Yep. So this is the stuff I love. This is why I love the, like sharing stories because you just don't think of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, so basically with you you forgot to account for a physical space that puts you over that threshold where you needed to install an elevator. 
it, it was it's all about an interpretation of rules and so we pass all of our local um permitting processes and and everything um and we had a local citizen make a complaint with the department of justice and so they they came in and did an audit and uh, um you know things that uh, the codes are so ambiguous at times they're, they're hard to determine we're acting in everybody's best interest we're, we're trying to to follow the rules and um do everything we can but simple things about the direction that doors swing in the bathroom um from the partitions um even uh one of the things that we uh had to remedy the tensile strength for pulling paper towels out of the to- uh, paper towel dispensers in the bathrooms was was too hard because um, our staff had overfilled them the night before they oh. came in and tested. Um, and so we had to, we had to change those items. And, and so it really, it was eye opening, um, when the book gets thrown at you, uh, and, and, um, learning to accommodate and, uh, and recalibrate. What lessons have you learned about managing the book, the proverbial, the proverbial <laughs> book that gets thrown at you? How have you improved your ability to handle that? Uh, it starts from the design phase now, and now we're much more educated on, on the nuances uh, of, um, the design, uh, to make sure that we're taking those things don't even exist. What are the most common offenders when it comes to things that green people just don't think of that you can help prevent other people from making these mistakes? You know, ADA accessibility and and what does ADA mean? Um, American Disabilities Act. Uh, so, uh, the picture comes to mind if somebody's in a wheelchair, how are they getting around? How are they interacting with their environment? And, uh, you know, it's really tough. And, um, luckily there's been a lot of technology that's changed to, to really help uh, accommodate, um, those things. And, uh, it really tugs at my heartstrings because we're about taking care of people and, yeah. and creating, um, be, being the platform for uh, great moments for yeah. people, and we we don't want anybody feeling slighted or inconvenienced, and um, so it really turns into a great opportunity for us to better serve um, our guests. I love that. Uh, any other big challenges with Thirty Hop as far as evolution? You, this is also where you say you you discovered the E Myth. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did things at Thirty Hop start start changing because of that? You know, Thirty Hop. Uh, we realized that this was the brand that, um, you know, we, we've, we confuse everybody, including ourselves on, on how we grew. Yeah. And, um, we, we just realized that we had some, a, a hungry team, uh, hungry partners, and this was the brand that was most recognizable, um, and had the systems in place to be able to, um, grow and scale. And, so as soon as we started that door uh, or walking down that path uh, of growth, um, we, we really tried to sharpen the pencil on what do we need to set up so that we can replicate. And systems and procedures that we thought were great, um, that worked in our setting, what what are, aren't transferable? Um, really focusing on making everything transferable. And um, we got the opportunity to... Uh, take over a, a um, place in Cedar Rapids uh, that had tried to mimic us um, in, in design um, and had 
two restaurants had failed before that uh, or before we came in and and took it over and we ended up having to to gut it and uh, basically start from scratch and to try to set up operations um, being mindful of how many steps our, our staff are taking and um, creating cohesive environments for our guests. So on this note of creating systems that are transferable, you remind me a lot of a guest I had on the show going back maybe five years ago, Columbus, Ohio. Um, oh, I can't think of the name of the group. It's killing me. Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. I don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah. with the brand. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure I heard you right. So I'm going to share what he said and tell me if that's what you also mean by what you said when you said making everything transferable. Mm-hmm. So he said um, – that when he's thinking of developing his brands, his concepts, he looks at it as a, a car that has underneath the outside, the exterior, the shell, everything inside of that, the systems, the, the framing, the, the, you know, the, the fuel system, the brake system, the air conditioning, all the systems of that car are the same. And when they create a new restaurant, they just take the exterior off and they put a new brand on it so that the the business itself, the systems are the same. It just has a new concept thrown into it. Is that kind of what you mean by transferable? Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. And that's something that we look in at a daily basis right now is, as we're in kind of growth mode is how do we replicate what we're doing to, to an area that we can't just drive to? Right now we're fortunate. I can throw a football and hit two other restaurants uh, and uh, if that's not feasible, how do, how do we make sure that what a guest is uh, experiencing here is the same as they're experiencing somewhere that you have to drive or fly to? So what are your major components for systems, your major fundamental systems that are interchangeable that you've created? Why and what are like, just get into those systems, break them down. Like first list them off if you could. Uh, training is number one. Uh, you can't sell what you don't know um and and you don't do what you what you're not uh, aware of um it really uh, our systems are driven around making sure there aren't questions our our staff has all the answers equipping them um in in every level of the business i, I plan on dissecting these systems but the, so let's just say <laughs> like, for like um big picture training yep what else training um then getting into the back of the house which is by no means my forte uh it it would be the menu uh the recipe uh recipe log the station guides the uh inventory uh guides ordering um and then uh kind of just the various operational uh know-hows uh from the management side we kind of call it the oh shit list uh um the if this then that yes like protocol mm-hmm. right um i have a horrible i like that memory oh of <laughs> the very first um uh, boy blackstone was probably six months old and uh, a little girl um uh, pulled the fire alarm and <laughs> that was one of the things that if this then. no nobody had ever <laughs> What do we told do? me <laughs> what what we do in that instance yeah. and uh very easy to remedy uh but our our guests had to sit through the alarms blaring for 20 minutes until the the fire department got there and showed us how to to take care of it and so now that kind of opened my eyes on uh 
what we we need to teach everybody what to do yeah with all these situations that hopefully never happen yeah man um so i want to dive deeper so are there any other like uh standard systems areas that are transferable for you before we move on you know we could get into kind of our meeting structures and, and uh um our traction implementation, but so that's a whole high level pageant. systems, yep. right? So we'll, I think this is really important because I think when people think about systems, they think about systems for their people, their frontline people, mm-hmm. but they never go through the process of creating systems for themselves. Mm-hmm. But so they can even put one more layer in front of them and the front line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so absolutely. So we'd call that like, um, managed or management system, like, like people management systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. With that all listed out, going back to the top with training paint the picture of what good training looks like. I think this is worth spending some time. You started to get into it, but this is a hot topic right now because of the world we live in where so many people are so green. Think about it. There was two years where people, we weren't hiring people because we couldn't. Mm-hmm. So there's two years of has elapsed where people were 14 to 16. They couldn't work in the industry. And now all of a sudden they can so we were just getting this influx of green people. So mm-hmm. I think training is really important right now. Get into the details of your program. Uh, it, it's really not leaving any stone unturned. And uh, it, when people start, we, we want to hit them with a, a big handheld uh, packet uh, of everything 30 hop. Um, you know, talking about things as simple as where to park. Uh, the goes through our dress code, goes through all the important parts of the handbook um, and really hitting on the, the key points of, of service um, that, that just drill down the basics. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it's easy to make things overcomplicated, uh, but at the end of the day, really teaching people to ask themselves and think, think for themselves, is this genuine? It, does this make sense? Does this help improve that guest experience? And, and to be able to recognize and realize that those are the people that really thrive in our environment. So do you use any tools or technology at this point to have this, this handbook live someplace? Yes. Uh, it, it's available as part of our onboarding process electronically. We also give a handheld um, version as well um, through our payroll platform. Which, which is? Uh, we use Toast. Okay. Um, I... I was having to streamline things as I had uh, doing payroll for five restaurants, and, and that was a um, nice step to help save me from a lot of data, data entry uh, as, as we were doing it. And um, so Toast helps kind of integrate both from the POS, but then into uh, payroll as well. So people are logging in on the POS. It integrates directly with the payroll pr- system mm-hmm. you, when you say it's handheld are you talking like an app where you can go in and have all the material the training material like through the app uh so it'll give them an electronic version that they can either view pdf um, but we'll also print out and give them a physical um, copy of everything as well so they can take it home with them and uh, use that uh, to study uh, and and re- reflect back to what uh, about testing Constant testing, uh, and, and that's something that doesn't stop after they're they're finished with their introduction. Um, is that testing done through the app as well? Uh, no, no. Okay, what does your testing structure look like? When, like, when do people get tested? It, it's a uh, um, very uh, archaic. It's the pen and pen and paper, um, but it, it 
it's a, a lengthy test. I think it's up to like seven pages right now where, where we go through each uh, menu item, um, describe situations. Ingredients. And yep. 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 And, and because we, we try to equip our team with, you know, the allergens lists and, and dietary yeah. needs to show them what's available, what isn't. But uh, it, it's very frustrating for me to have a, a, a um, server that or a bartender that doesn't know these things and it's okay for them to say, I'm not sure I'm going to go double check yep. to, to verify, but you don't need to know the answer, but you need to know where to find it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, but if they're able to answer that immediately on, on, Hey, uh, can I have that burger gluten-free? Absolutely. We have these great, um, gluten-free buns that taste, uh, taste great. So, uh, so those, those types of things we've dabbled, uh, with various other tools, uh, for training and testing, um, Jim, uh, Sloan, uh, from Stella trainer, uh, has been, uh, uh, a great person to, to work with and, and recommend him. Um, just an incredible guy, um, with some roots to Iowa, but he, he's based out of North Carolina. Um, very passionate about our industry and, uh, his company is, um, focused on in making the training process much more cohesive and, um, uh, easier to track. And how's he doing that? Uh, he has a platform um, that's all uh, web-based that they, they build your um, system uh, for you unique to the, the items that you do. And um, then you get to track each candidate as, as they go through. So is this through the web browser or is there an app yep. for this as well? Uh, web browser. Got it. Um, I think it's worth giving a shout out to two other people who have recently developed. I mean, they're on my radar. It's a, an app called Serve and another app called Yelly app. I've had them mm-hmm. on the show these are apps where you can upload all. They actually you give them the information and they transfer all that information to these apps. So it's basically for like it's like like cute like uh, like testing and uh, like what are the words like uh, the cards like mm-hmm. I can't think of the word. You know what's the word for these cards? Uh, you Not know what sure. I'm talking about the, the cards that you write on one end and then the answers on the other end. I can't uh, think of the, the term note cards. Thank the, you, note cards, yeah. the cards or flashcards, flashcards. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's tons of cool tools out there. So th- really, it's about empowering your team, giving them the tools and resources they need to be path of least resistance. Right. Mm-hmm. What was the name of this guy's company? One more time that you're talking Stella about? Trainer. Stella Trainer. I'll have to look into that. Thank you. Do you th- the only other question I have around training is recurrent training. How often do you do recurrent training? Not enough. You know, that, that's where something that we're constantly trying to improve in. Uh, we, we try to have a, a company wide meeting, uh, every quarter is the goal. Um, but centered around that, uh, we, we do training around every, um, menu change. Um, but you know, we've seen our biggest, um, strides in service when we're, we're testing, um, monthly, if not weekly. And it can be just a little pop quiz. That's three questions long. Um, but really keeps people sharp and, um, and aware. Um, it's very interesting how if one person's having a problem, they're not the only one. It it really kind of issues and, um, concerns kind of reverberate through organizations. And and if we're able to kind of stay on top of things or get in front of them, with something as simple as a short pop quiz when you're checking out, yeah, uh, that that really helps um, uh, smooth the water, if you will. Yeah, I've heard on average, some people say twice a year, quarterly. I like the idea of every day. 
mm-hmm. and you work in a little bit of training before every shift during your, your meetings, right? You yeah. ask questions just to keep it top of mind, right? Yeah. Um, There's nothing more powerful than a pre-shift. Yeah. And, uh, but at the same time, that's the easiest thing not to do. Yeah. You don't go over the entire manual every pre-shift. Like you mm-hmm. take a, a section of it just to keep little things. You test people, you ask them random questions mm-hmm. so they know they're going to be responsible for having that answer, mm-hmm. you know? So it keeps them sharp, sharp. It keeps them honest. Um, the only thing regarding systems, cause I, we're not going to make, I'm not going to make you go through menu logs <laughs> and station guides and inventory got, uh, um, inventory guides, uh, but I am really curious at that next tier of people management systems. What do those systems look like for you guys? A lot of hands-on uh, training um, on working with uh, either the people that they're um, and they're reporting to, or the people above that. And uh, um, for me, I'm not in the day-to-day operations, but I, I try to check in um, with people one-on-one. Um, preferably offsite and, yeah. and just kind of uh, see how people are doing, see what questions they have. And uh, sometimes the different environments, setting people uh, open the door um, selfishly for me for either blind spots that we're having or, or missing, letting people down. Um, but then uh, uh, using that to hone in our systems to improve their process and process for the people that follow them. Now I'm aware that you guys are, are using you've read traction yes and you're using eos mm-hmm. so what the heck is eos <laughs> you know eos has been uh, another one of those aha moments um for us and uh the last thing anybody in a restaurant wants is another meeting or or to do a meeting uh we want to operate we want to do what we're passionate about uh, and we want to be in front of people uh, but we, we you can only do that successfully for so long until you uh, clearly define your path and, and, and your why and um, have a trajectory for where you're going and, and why you're going that way. So uh, traction, um, how I describe it is it's, it's based off of Rockefeller systems, which have been, been around forever um, that, that really are, they're centered around core values um, and then goal setting. So uh, every year we look back and, and reevaluate what our our values are, what are what our ten year picture is, what our three year goals are, um, and then those those drive into what our one year um, goal is, and then each quarter we re- revisit that and okay, so to receive to reach our one year goal, which gets us to our three year goals, what do we need to do in the next ninety days? Mm. What are the things that are most important? Uh, instead of doing everything, we're going to focus on this thing and, um, become the best we can at that. And, uh, for us that that's where we really started to take off. Yeah. So it's, it's basically the systems for communicating at your highest level Mm -hmm. and keeping people creating system for communication in goal achievement, mm-hmm. right? And down to the language you use in the meetings and how you address people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very powerful. Um, I, and I, I mean, you mentioned the e-myth earlier. I would say e-myth, read that first because that helps with the mm-hmm. more base level granular stuff. Mm-hmm. And then as you scale and you need systems for interacting at a high level, that's the, that, that's like the, 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 I don't know the word blueprint, the, the game plan for how to communicate is how I, Mm-hmm. kind of would describe it from i've only read what the heck is eos one time yeah uh so i need to get into it deeper but i i hope to implement those lessons here at restaurant unstoppable and you know another 
book that kind of takes their version of traction um, for disciplines of execution. Uh, that that's another one that they do. So traction is built around a, a ninety minute weekly meeting for your leadership team. Yeah. Forty uh, uh, X uh, for disciplines of execution it is centered around a fifteen minute stand up meeting. Nice. And, How often and, do you have that meeting? So uh, we uh, implement traction at, for uh, for us, but um, being having multiple units. Uh, if we were a single unit, uh, the um, four disciplines of execution, that 15-minute would, would be pretty fruitful, and, and that's weekly. Yeah, and I think um, one way they describe um, the, the impact of traction in EOS is your team all needs to have the same language. You need mm-hmm. to be able to communicate in a way that everyone – people aren't turning their head and scratching their head – and this book gives you the language in through which to communicate, to, to label things. So yep. it just streamlines, it streamlines communication. It makes everybody on the same page um, is another way you could say what, the, what this does. And it uh, builds in accountability Yeah, because yeah. Uh, you basically have to answer for everybody yeah. that you're working with on if, if you made a commitment to do something and you didn't do it yeah. or, or if you're falling off track, you have to report on that every week and yeah. explain why. Eric, this is exactly the kind of stuff, <clears throat> the kind of stuff I'm looking for. This granular to the moment, like detail stuff that just sends people on the right track. Thank you so much for getting into those details. I really do appreciate it. Um, but we got to zoom back up. I feel like we went deep into a rabbit hole, <laughs> but it was, it was totally worth it. Uh, so we, we, dissected 30 hop really well you mentioned that somebody else tried to uh emulate what you're doing with 30 hop that ended up failing you guys took over the space which is very mm-hmm. convenient that was in 2018 um that was in cedar rapids you also have tin roost that opened in 2017 yep. um which is is that in cedar rapids or just outside of cedar that's rapids? in so north liberty north so liberty. in between iowa city and cedar rapids got it um any big lessons just like we did with the other two restaurants that came from this experience, different partners. Uh, yes. Okay. So who are your <laughs> so, partners? Are, are they silent partners? Are we allowed to talk about your partners? Yes, absolutely. Um, so for us, for the Cedar Rapids project was our first dip in the toe in the water on scaling. Uh, first time that any, uh, amongst any of the organizations, any of my partners had been replicated a concept to replicate the concept. Yeah. And, uh, it is convenient enough because it's a 30 minute drive away. And yeah. so if the red alarms are going off, we would be, be able to hop, hop to action and, and help out. Now, can you transfer m- employees between the same, cause this is the same business, uh, separate EIN. So Got no. It. Okay. Yep. What um, was the benefit of doing a separate EIN between two separate through one concept? Uh, e- each restaurant has, uh, slightly varying, uh, ownership percentages, okay. um, as, as well. Um, and, and so that, that's just the way we, we've always kind of walked that path. I love this stuff you know? though, honestly, because this is the stuff that doesn't get discussed. People don't even know, wait, I need a separate EIN if there's a different percentage of ownership. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of stuff that people just, they, they don't, we don't talk about this enough in the business in my opinion Mm -hmm. um so and and so cedar rapids was opportunity for um one of our uh key employees to become a partner as well and so is that dan bloom that stan's brother darren so the the blooms love you guys huh (laughs) those uh we we wouldn't be where we are without the bloom uh, boys the, the bloom brothers so yeah i love that um and then uh, before we did uh, Cedar Rapids, we opened uh, Tinder's. Yep. So I opened that with 
my partner, Brian Flynn, uh, uh, another close friend of Matt and I's uh, from high school, Brandon Pratt, and uh, then another original employee from Blackstone, uh, Joe Celix. So uh, Joe and, and Dan Bloom are, are pretty good buddies and had both moved out to Colorado after college and um, were looking to move back uh, home and, and start their, their ventures. And how did you know these guys? Uh, from Blackstone. Okay, so they, were they working at Blackstone, or were they yep. guests? They, they were day one employees that, that worked their way up and uh, um, quickly became managers and, and really helped craft um, uh, Blackstone. And so they they become their were friends, became closer friends, decided to go to, say, Colorado? Mm-hmm. They, did they, and they opened a business in Colorado? Nope, nope. No. They, they were just uh, – Joe was in uh, pharmaceutical sales, and Dan uh, was working for – uh, uh, newspapers, as I understand it, selling uh, advertising. And, okay. And they just they needed to get back home and get back into the restaurant business. Yes, yeah, get back to the roots and, and, and start their their ventures. And um, So anything unique about Tin Roost that was new to you as far as an experience, something you had to learn, mm-hmm. uh, curveballs you got, challenges you got that you can share with us? Uh, the Tin Roost uh, experience uh almost broke me uh what happened and uh um you know we we kind of joke about it uh today but uh that was the biggest piece of humble pie that uh in hindsight uh we're so lucky to have um happen to us um we we started off the our all of our partners were hungry guys uh that had big eyes and um also had a bit of uh um uh, ego behind us that you know we're we're doing so well and everything else we're doing we're this was at this point you have blackstone you have 30 hop mm-hmm. those two restaurants are killing it um ego's swelling and yeah. then w- what happened and uh we we opened uh, uh, a huge restaurant and how many uh, seats there are 460 seats what was the vision for tin um roost that is unique from your other concepts uh, Tin Roost, we, we really uh, utilized, and interestingly, uh, that was almost uh, where we put Blackstone uh, okay. uh, 10 years before, okay. and so um, it is neat to kind of close that loop, um, but um, the vision for Tin Roost was um, uh, really elevating uh, the neighborhood experience um, with... We, we knew that we didn't want to do a rooftop patio because the we, we wanted to, it, it was difficult, um, but also out of respect to 30 hop. Uh, and so we wanted to focus on a huge patio, um, uh, just a surface level patio and, um, their patio, uh, wraps around, a, a pond and, and trail system. And, uh, just is such a, uh, incredible setting, uh, that, uh, is really hard to find that, uh, will be, it'll be hard to replicate yeah. moving forward. And, um, in a community that was really underserved. And, um, so we, we thought that, uh, basically we treated it as if we were opening in a huge metropolitan area and, and had to learn a lot of lessons. What were the um, biggest lessons you learned? We were trying to give people something that they didn't want. And, uh, the original menu was a coastal Carolina focused menu, um, and, uh, really had those nuances and on paper, the menu was fantastic. And 
we didn't realize it until it was too late that we didn't have the team to properly execute it. So giving people what they didn't want, what else? Um, and then uh, took for granted our uh, systems and service. Uh, you, you know, we, we thought that we had the code cracked and um, just because we were involved that everything was going to be, uh, was, was going to follow. And um, it, with the new concept, you really have to scratch and claw and, and start from scratch to a certain extent. So your systems and service, how you're serving the guests, the process for serving guests is it because of the giant patio that threw a wrench in that system. Yeah, absolutely. The different footprint um, really adds a lot of uh, hiccups um, behind the scenes. We try to to set up the, the kitchen. It's our largest kitchen, um, that we have, uh, and try to set that up so that we could have, um, fast, uh, quality service for, for our guests. And, um, somewhere along the lines, we, we kind of, we took for granted the, the actual guest experience and, and treating the guests, um, as they should. And, um, being so thankful that they chose us and, um, maybe more focus on volume cause you had 400 seats. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was it out. more just kind of serving the masses instead yeah. of creating unique experiences. Mm. And, um, you know, we really suffered and what that team did, um, that, that was really uh, incredible. Uh, they dug through it and, and now they're so far past that they're, they're now the restaurant that we look to uh, emulate um, in, in so many aspects. And a lot of that was born from the the day-to-day grit that they had, that they had to um, wake up every day and ask, like, what are we going to do to make people interested to come to our restaurant? How are we going to take care of people? Um, what do people want? Uh, you know, we, we had a chef change, um, and the first thing he did was put uh, a fried uh, pork tenderloin on the menu and the which second. I plan on making a trip to get <laughs> later today. Sorry to interrupt. So uh, amongst other things, but <laughs> it, it was tied to it in the day that we did that, our sales increased 20%. Wow. Just, just overnight. And so it kind of opened our eyes to we're serving people food that they don't want. They, they don't want a, a chicken liver pate. They want onion strings. Yeah. You, what time are you open? 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I think I know where I'm going right after this interview. Um, so what was it? So you changed the menu. You, you, you started listening to the consumer and you mm-hmm. started giving the consumer what they wanted. Is yeah. that safe to say what the, the solution was? And, uh, and then our facility needed work. Uh, we took for granted the design component of it and kind of blindly followed what the, um, architect and interior designer, uh, led us down and they created a, a beautiful facility that would have been a great doctor's office Mm. and so we ended up having to redo the ceilings did um added acoustic uh treatments um changed the lighting changed the floors painted the walls it basically rebranded uh from the inside out uh to make it a much more uh cohesive and cozy environment instead of a cold sterile environment how much did your other concepts carry tin roost to be able to do this uh there was a lot of pride uh, involved and uh i what i remember uh was one day a uh, host that had just started walked in and told uh, our managing partner joe and i that oh my aunt and uncle told me that i shouldn't work here that you guys aren't going to make it and um and turned to her and said we don't lose <laughs> and and that that was really kind of a, a defining moment on uh, there 
we'll uh, do throw everything that we have into this uh, to make it successful. And and really, we we did uh, every day um, pulled out everything that we had learned over the years, uh, and also opened our eyes to what do we need need to learn to better serve everyone. I think it's a testament to again what we started with saying when you put all of your energy into the Blackstone, you get to the point where it's just a money machine. It doesn't need you there. It's making money for you. You did the same thing with 30 hop. The, the, the power of having two very well established businesses that are stable, it gives you that flexibility to, to not rely on that one other business. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So if you didn't have 30 hop in Blackstone, would you have been able to play around like you did? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, we, we were on, on the edge, uh, yeah. and, uh, we're, we're just so incredibly fortunate that we, we turned the corner right at the, the last second yeah. and now, now we're off to the races. Again, I got to remind the listeners, this started in 2007 for you, 2007, mm-hmm. the year now where we're talking 2017, 10 years of putting mm-hmm. your head down and just grinding and creating that stability in that in that just building strong legs foundation beneath you before you go out and you try to to tackle new projects where do you find the balance though between pulling from other businesses to save one another business like cutting off one limb to save another limb how do you find that balance well uh blackstone especially suffered at that time um, yeah because that's uh right when sam left uh blackstone damn it sam (laughs) (laughs) i'm saying this funny because he's literally sitting right behind us right now uh and uh to his ventures and we couldn't have been more uh excited for him in in that capacity but uh i was so focused on um on uh getting tinders to be solvent and uh start becoming a glimmer of the vision that we had for it uh and then also sustaining 30 hop um from afar very fortunate to have uh, dan at the home there making sure that things were humming along but that we took our eye off the ball um with blackstone and kind of just let it operate on its own and almost stepping too far up i i feel i lost that humility of what got us there in the first place so paint the pick sorry focusing on on the details okay and uh assuming that everything was just happening the same way that i had always um treated things so what were the the, when you started to give your attention back to blackstone when you Mm -hmm. when the alarms go off and you discover that what was happening when you left isn't what's happening now Mm -hmm. what you said attention to detail what else was going on there you know, it's an old business by then, and in the restaurant world, it's practically a dinosaur. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is 2018, so you're open for like 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long time. And we hadn't, outside of the re- the renovations that we did when we expanded uh, the footprint um, the first couple of years that we were open, we, we really hadn't done anything mm-hmm. to the facility. And, and so we really needed to reinvest in... Uh, the infrastructure, the building, and the yep. ambiance. Yep. So this is um, something that Peter Lazar, uh, the author of Restaurant Strong, addresses in his book. He also has a great community, um, a Facebook community over 2,400 people. And they get into like the economics, like like the, the nerdy shit of restaurants that mm-hmm. I'm, I can't do as well as he does. But anyway, he, he talks about this in his book, Restaurant Strong, of the law of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. 
you got to stay fresh. You need to create juxtaposition. You can't do the same thing forever and expect people to just keep coming back because they're going to get this, they're going to get distracted with new shiny objects. Mm-hmm. So you need to become the new shiny object in your ambiance, like you said. What else can you do to stay relevant? To stay top of mind? It's the evolution, constant evolution. Um, menu items. You know, when when we opened Blackstone, those items. Um, we're cutting edge for our area and uh, things that you you find more uh, east west coast um, and that we're incorporating those big city dishes to our our humble community Iowa City and um, now everybody's doing those dishes mm-hmm. and, and doing those variations and there's no nothing special about it so um, kind of having that that uh, wherewithal to realize hey we need to stay relevant and yeah. We have our um, greatest hits, but um, how are we keeping people excited? Uh, this is at the root of it, a, a neighborhood restaurant. And um, what are we giving the people that they can come here and eat multiple times a week instead of um, it, uh, just being stuck in a, a single path and becoming a special occasion? Yeah. Um, do you put money aside? Do you budget for renovation and staying fresh? I've heard people do as much as 5%, they'll put money away just to put back into the business. So every five years they can do something to like shock the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't have a specific line item for that. Uh, but what we do, uh, and, um, uh, Brian Flynn gets uh, a lot of credit for this. Uh, we've always been very fiscally conservative. Uh, and, and so we aim to have about two months of operating capital on hand at all times. Um, which, uh, when pandemic hit, if we didn't have that backbone, uh, uh, things would have been, uh, much, much, uh, more difficult. And I think I heard the stat that the average restaurant has, uh, two weeks worth of cash, uh, on scary. Hand, um, at pre pandemic times. And, uh, that that's, uh, just incredibly scary, but, um, by being physically conservative, we, we have that. Uh, we have a safety net, but we also kind of have that, that war chest on, Hey, we need to do this or this surprise just happened. Um, piece of equipment fails. We need to get a new $20,000 oven. We're, we're able to execute that. How do you get to that point? Was it a loan that you were able to initially just put into like a savings account or do you take money off the top to make sure there's constantly that, that, that cushion there? Uh, that's based from cash flow from operations. Okay. That, that we just keep in our uh, business checking account. What's a good percentage to put aside, in your opinion? Uh, two months of uh, operating expenses. So if you calculate your your P and L, um, which you should be looking at that uh, as often as possible, um, monthly at a minimum. Um, if you add up your total expenses For, uh, in that in that uh, month, in that month, and uh, if you uh, multiply that by two, that, that's about how much cash um well what if you don't have so i mean say for somebody who who opens right and they mm-hmm. don't have that money there yet you mm-hmm. know they don't they can't just make it up here you know like right. do they go to the bank get a loan for that amount of money do you suggest putting away like 0.5 percent of profit to that over time to get it to build up and then once you've hit that number you can put it redirect it to yeah you should absolutely not um uh, so saving from your day-to-day operations. So I don't like um, using specific percentages okay. be, uh, for it. I'm, I'm more of a holistic uh, feel on 
if you don't have it, don't spend it. Got it. So you, we, we start all of our businesses with uh, bank notes um, so that fund opening, get open. But once we get open, that that's it. And, and um, we don't want to have to go back to the bank and say, hey, we had a surprise. We need more money. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're very fortunate to have great banking yeah. partners that if it, when that has happened in the past that we we've gotten unfortunate surprises, we've been able to have that. But, um, if you're operating, um, in the understanding of, Hey, I, I'm making money, but I shouldn't spend it. That opens up so many more doors for you. I mean, you've got, I think right now, what, six restaurants that have average about 250 to 300 seats per location. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to know what that two months of operating capital is for you, but that's a good, that, it's a good chunk of money. Yes. It's, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's multiple six figures, if not seven figures. So mm-hmm. just to give some perspective to the listener, like put a, mo- a lot of money away, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you never know what's going to happen. You never know when there's going to be a pandemic. You never know when there's going to be a flood, which happens here, you yeah. know, like just be ultra conservative is mm-hmm. the lesson. And to to a certain point, you you owe that not only to yourself um, because you don't want to have to restart, but you owe that to your your teams as well. Uh, if you're financially irresponsible and something happens and and you have to close up shop, um, you know that that's not fair to them either. So I, I feel a certain amount of responsibility to um, our, our team with with that as well, and um, that's what got us through a pandemic on we were able to look everyone in the eyes and say, Hey, this is something we never thought we'd have to do. Um, and, uh, we were able to continue to operate the best we could, um, uh, moving forward because we had, um, that backing. Yeah. So man, would you believe we've been talking for almost an hour and 40 minutes? Um, how's <laughs> your body? By. You doing good? Can we it's, keep going a little bit? Cause I'll go over two hours sure. if you're, if you're up to it, because I, this is, you're giving us great stuff, man. I'm really I'm loving the granular de- the detail that you're giving us. We only have two more restaurants to talk about anyway. We're almost there. We're almost <laughs> there. Um, I think we can wrap up uh, Tin Roost. We, we, we talked about um, how you, you let Blackstone kind of get away from where it was or when you divert your attention, but you talked about how you restored that and revitalized that. Or did we get into the details of how you brought that back? Uh, you know, I I had no part of bringing it back. That, okay. that was very much the team um, there, and um, uh, I almost had to take a step back and, and let the the team operate and uh, do um, what they're meant to do. And um, I, I couldn't be more proud of the job that uh, Joe um, Celix and and his team have done out there. Oh, beautiful. So. Uh, the next two restaurants you open tribute. An athletic club, both right here in the Rivers Landing area, mm-hmm. right? Um, how did these opportunities come to you? Uh, you already mentioned Tribute was a failing restaurant, right? Yeah, we, we kind of look over across the street and kind of notice uh, a lot of empty seats. Um, at a, it, it was a wine um, it. concept, uh, uh, and uh, they they just never uh, hit off like they they expected, and. Um, we're we're looking for an out and we we saw the opportunity with the arena coming across the street um that it just seemed like a slam dunk uh so um we were able to go in and um and help uh, uh take over that space for them um they kind of threw us an unfortunate wrench on they abruptly closed without telling their staff anything 
going on that um, negatively reflected on us that that we had nothing to do with. And so we, we tried to immediately get into some damage control and, and contact everybody and offer jobs. So you were involved. You didn't own that. They closed. I don't understand how them closing affected you. Uh, it was portrayed that we bought the business and fired everybody. Oh, that's and, not good. Yeah, and when, when in fact that we were coming in, taking over the lease um, at a future date, and they just abruptly just so you closed took the over doors. the lease. They said, "Fine." They're like, Whew, "We got that hard part taken care of. Yep. We're out of here." Mm-hmm. And they 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 left you with all these people that you are not responsible for. No, they just closed the doors. Oh, but before but since before you, we even took over. But since you had the lease under your name, they assumed that you were the ones that just fired mm-hmm. everyone. That's mm-hmm. not good. How do you recover from that? You know, we we tried reaching out uh, to everybody and uh, um, offered everyone jobs, but um, the lesson that we learned in that was being a lot more uh, uh, straightforward and. and beating any potential uh hiccup like that to the punch but uh by that point everyone kind of had the bad taste in the mouth um, from that experience and moved on their their own paths and um and so after the dust settled on that we were able to uh, get into doing what we do and we we ended up having to um get that um restaurant as well we left the kitchen intact but redid the entire uh, dining room area and um just to make things uh, much more conducive and, and create a exciting environment. Were uh, you going to stick with wine? No. Okay. What was the new concept, the new vision? Uh, Tribute is more of a cocktail-driven um, restaurant. Uh, we're not the too uh, mixology-heavy that you have to wait 10 minutes for a cocktail, um, uh, but but we like to have elevated cocktails and, and spirits, and it, it's more of a... Uh, intimate experience that you can go and be seen, but you're also uh, semi-private in a, a nice circular booth. Yeah. Um, if, oh, I had a thought. It escaped my mind. Oh, the question about you, you kept the kitchen the same. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I know the reason for that, but what was your reason for not changing the kitchen? Uh, mechanically, just wasn't able to. It's also your most expensive part, Yeah. right? So when you're given, a, a, not given, but when you take over a restaurant, if you want to m- minimize your expenses, you just kind of reverse engineer. You're like, you go, okay, this is what we have to work with. What can mm-hmm. we, how can we create a menu around this? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, to this day, we're still working on that. And that's uh, the number one operational struggle we have in that location is how can we accommodate fast, tasty food uh, out of this footprint? Yeah. What's best for, is if, if, you're, if you're opening a restaurant from scratch and you're not inheriting things, you reverse, you say, what do we want to cook? And then you reverse engineer that, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have things you don't need. But in this case where it makes sense is you're buying the business, mm-hmm. you know, you're buying it, the assets too. I can see why you'd reverse that, which mm-hmm. is, it seems to make sense from an operational standpoint, but the challenges are, as you're saying. Yeah. It, there's the, the physical limits on, on things and, and to, to a certain extent that, the, the diminishing returns on if you're yeah. moving anything, changing anything, you're not going to see the value in it. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, from the kitchen standpoint, uh, it's also, uh, very, it's a benefit to be able to know like, Hey, these are my parameters. This yeah. is, this is where I need to start drawing within the lines and how do we execute within the, this, uh, 
uh, situation. Yeah, we're almost there, man. Uh, one more <laughs> restaurant to talk about. The newest restaurant opened this year, 2022 Athletic Club. What happens? That, what, what's, how does this come to, to be? Uh, you know, we, we saw an opportunity for um, creating a, a different um, a vibe and environment. Uh, our area doesn't have a, a high-end sports bar. Um, we have our um, sports bars, um, per se, but but none of them are kind of uh, serve the elevated um, what product. What makes it high-end? The- uh, I would say design and ambiance. Yep. Um, uh, our, our menu... Um, is uh simple on paper but very well executed so we're not doing anything deconstructed cheesecake or anything yeah. crazy like that it's um we're, we're playing the hits and um serving uh the food that uh we want to eat when we're going out with our friends what's simple on paper look like uh pizza yeah. uh smash burgers yeah chicken wings it's a sports uh, bar. salads yeah yeah it, you know it's it's something for everyone, um, and it's not pretentious. Uh, it, it's serving those comfort foods um, in a, in a setting that um, they 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 sound simple, but it, it's the that craveable uh, food at the same time. Yeah, it's the stuff you want to eat when you're going to watch a game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, any curveballs that came from you with the athletic club that were new experiences for you? Lessons learned. Uh, for that one, we worked with a, a new designer um, uh, out of uh, Atlanta called Smith Haynes, uh, and they're just uh, incredible uh, to work with. Um, and they they taught me a lot about uh, different design um, components, and uh, we're used to kind of dark, moody environments, and they wanted to um, create a, a bright, vibrant environment. And why does that work well with sports? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's about a big screen. Yeah. Right? So, so you have a giant light looking at you. Um, so my, uh, spidey sense was, was firing on all cylinders right away. Cause I was having nightmares of, um, tin roost and being that cold, sterile environment. Yeah. And, uh, the Smith Haynes team just did a phenomenal job of making it bright, but, uh, comfortable, and um, it, it's the type of place that uh, you, you feel comfortable. Your parents come in town, you want to take them. But um, at the same time, it's where you, you belly up with uh, all of your, your best friends and, and uh, catch all the major events. What do they teach you about how to do big and bright comfortable? How do you pull that off? Uh, spaces, seating. Um, the focus is behind the bar. So we have a giant... Um, we have three, uh, video walls and, uh, then two, uh, marquees at either end of the restaurant with TVs wrapping those. Um, so there's really not a bad seat in the house, but all the direct action is uh, diverted to center bar. Um, really the heart of the restaurant. Yeah. And uh, we have been doing a lot of visual talking today for our listeners. Uh, we, there is a YouTube channel. I feel like we can probably get the B-roll of a lot of these spaces if, if we don't already have them. Mm-hmm. So go to Restaurant Unstoppable. Or sorry. Go to YouTube.com slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to see. I, I would recommend watching the video portion of today's episode or just <laughs> watching and listening to today's episode if you can. Um, is there anything we have not talked about up to this point 
that you wanted to get out as far as what you've learned, what you have unique perspective to talk to that we have not discussed? At the end of the day, um, if I'm having a hard time or faced with a tough situation, uh, I always find clarity uh, just going back on uh, asking myself, how would I want to be treated mm. in, in this situation? And that applies to every interaction you have, um, uh, whether it's with a guest, whether it's with an employee, on a par- with a partner. Um, it, it, everything, Every interaction you have, it, if you act with that in- integrity of, uh, hey, this, this is going to be a difficult conversation. Let's rip the, the Band-Aid off. This is how I want to hear what you're about to tell me or um, this, these are the hard uh, facts. Um, I've had nothing but success from that. And yeah. it, it's really hard to realize, but um, if, if you dance around things, don't address uh, issues or concerns, or just frankly scared to talk, uh, that's debilitating and, and yeah. it's hard to move forward. Yeah. I've loved this conversation, man. I, I really have. It's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot from you today. Uh, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. We're definitely inspired with your story, man. Uh, like very minimal restaurant experience to becoming a partner to like just having such extreme success. Uh, so inspiring. Uh, you give us so many details around how to do things. So we're definitely enabled. You recommended some great resources for us. Let's talk about transformation real quick before we go to the speed round. Uh, what needs to transform about our industry? Where are we today and where do we need to be? One thing we learned about the pandemic is just how important our people are and people and culture. And uh, if we're not taking care of those, um, we're, we're losing sight of the most important thing that we have. How do we make that shift to focus more on the people? What needs to happen? Uh, be very intentional with our conversations and um, and kind of share expectations, vision, uh, you know, sharing the good and the bad. What, uh, what intention do you have with your conversations today? Uh, to see how I can help and to see where we need to improve. What have you learned about where you can help and where we need to improve? <laughs> really drilling down here. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's um figuring out on the on the granular level where uh, where our blind spots are and um how we need to evolve and improve and um be ready for constant change. So, I mean, I think we can probably make some assumptions where the blind spots are um do you have any specifics where we can improve? communication not just you yeah. but collectively as an industry yeah you know it, it's the communication and uh it's um not so much the quality but also the frequency uh if we're not talking to um our teams or our people um at every level uh at something as simple as pre-shifts to quarterly um same page meetings uh we're, we're really missing a huge opportunity to uh, equip um, and engage uh, everyone around us to um, help uh, push us forward. 
Beautiful. I love today's conversation. One more quick break to thank our sponsors. We're going to bust out a true speed round. As an individual who has grown up in the restaurant industry, I know that constant phone calls can get in the way of serving your guests in the restaurant, but not answering your phone can mean you're losing potential customers. And I did not know this. I was so surprised when I heard the statistic. 42% of restaurant guests will eat elsewhere if their calls are missed. And I've got to admit that that was just such a surprise to me. That's why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions most people call with, like, do you have outdoor seating? Or what are your hours? God, why do they always call with these questions? Go to the website. Anyway, within the Pop Menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guest hears, plus create customized greetings. Pop Menu Answering picks up your phone call 24-7, 365 days a year. Plus, Pop Menu Answering helps you gain insights into what potential customers are typically calling about, turning every phone call into an opportunity. Reclaim the power of your phone now with Pop Menu Answering, and for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off your first month and learn more about Pop Menu's full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. I don't need to tell you that it's harder than ever right now to be a restaurateur. The cost of goods are going up. Labor expenses are going up. People don't want to work in the industry. Anybody who had experiences has gone on to different verticals or different industries. And we are just stuck with a lot of people who are very green and how, how do we increase sales if nobody knows how to sell? Well, you empower them with the right tools. And one tool out there that you need to know about is called SRV, which stands for Study Restaurant Variety, created by Roger Bodwin from Restaurant Rockstars. This is a tool that will help your team memorize your menu, your uh, your culture, uh, everything, anything you need to train them, your entire training manual is now in an app and accessible anywhere in there's a lot of data supporting that this is how the next generation of professionals prefer to learn. So if you need a tool out there to empower your staff, to train your staff, uh, to to give them the knowledge they need to be sales stars, then check out srvnow.com. Click the link that says request a demo and that will bring you to a page where you fill out your information. The very last field, make sure you let them know that Restaurant Unstoppable sent you their way. They will pay us a commission of $1,500 if you use that link and you you sign up with them. And I just have to say thank you in advance. We're trying to take Restaurant Unstoppable to the next level. And this is one way we can do that by just spreading the word about these tools. And uh, I believe in what they're doing over there. So you're in good hands. Uh, thank you in advance. All right. Do it now. We're back, and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Uh, attention to detail. What is your biggest weakness? Taking things too personally and being too hard on myself. How are you overcoming that? Trying to gain clarity every day. Yeah. Take, a, take time to breathe and, and uh, reflect. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? Uh, I really try to adopt a conversational tone, um, and then 
flip it to a very technical question. Uh, I like to see how people respond to that pressure um, because if, if you're not able to do that in a simple conversation kind of uh, tells me a lot of things. Uh, and um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really just looking for people that I want to hang out with yeah. because what we're doing is fun. And if it's not fun, we need to find a, a solution. Mm. What is your biggest challenge today? Uh, evolving our organizational structure for growth. And how are you overcoming that? Uh, right now we're in the process of building a, our leadership team and implementing uh, things for 30 op to, to grow and scale. And uh, we're kind of in that black hole right now of having so much talent around us that uh, now we, we need the, the stores to be able to fully utilize that talent. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a plug for one of our past guests. Um, I don't always plug in the middle of the speed round, but if you have not read 10-Year Plan by David Dressler, uh, amazing. I don't know if you're familiar with that name, David Dressler, Eric Oberholzer. They're behind yeah. Tender Greens, mm-hmm. um, bought out by Union Square Hospitality, Dave Meyer. Uh, that book in my opinion, gives the most detail to what happens after 10 locations. Yeah. You know, and I found it very inspiring. I hope you do too, if you're willing to check it out. In, in preparing for this, I ordered the book. So nice. I, I can't You're going to love it, man. It's perfect for where you're at right now. Yeah. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. Uh, everything that we're focused on is the guest experience. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team something that's common within the four walls of your restaurants, but not common throughout the industry. Uh, we hit on that earlier. It's the, the little, uh, phrase that no BevNap, no job. If we can't pay attention to that small detail, uh, this might not be a good fit. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? We've already dropped at least three on you guys yeah. today. What's another one? Or you can, you can echo one of the ones we mentioned. Atomic habits. Ooh. Uh, by James Clear. Uh, I'm, I'm very much a, a very literal person in every sense, and uh, he does a great job of articulating how to set up habits and rituals to um, set yourself up for success. Do you have a habits calendar? I do. Me too. I do. Yep. <laughs> I actually have a habits club, and if you guys are interested in more learning more about habits and having accountability around your habits uh, in the network, we have a habits club. I would love to have anybody join that. We're trying to grow it. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? They don't ask for help, or they they're scared to realize they don't know what they don't know. Mm. Yes. Uh, name one service you've hired or outsourced. You already made a few recommendations today. Uh, number one for me was uh, outsourcing bookkeeping mm-hmm. and being able to gain that bandwidth back to uh, instead of frantically trying to push payroll out um, within deadline um, to gaining that time to better work with our teams and, and focus on the, on our vision. Can we give this organization a plug? Deb Stannard is, is our Iowa Business Services. Um, uh, she's worked with our uh, companies um, back uh, even before Blackstone existed, and and I always held held uh, the places I'm involved at arm's length because no, I was greedy. That was Iowa Business Services, the name yes. of the company. Deb, mm-hmm. what was the last name? Standard. Standard. Look out, Deb. It's gonna get busy. Uh, <laughs> what's one piece of technology you've recently adopted within your restaurants uh, that's had a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines? Those uh, lines. 
it, this is a hard one to just pick one. Um, you can name multiple. <laughs> someone that, that we really like is uh, Gravy, uh, which is a music service. Um, we had a stage in life where I'd come into a restaurant and uh, Taylor Swift Radio would be playing every day. And uh, we can only uh, handle that so long before um, we have to... Uh, yeah. get a different vibe um and what gravy does uh john john um battles is who we work with there and he uh, curates a list for us that so we don't um we have hundreds of hours of of curated music based on the vibes and times that that we're trying to um uh, impress with our guests and so it's you turn it on and you forget it and so it, sorry go ahead it, it it's uh then for the management standpoint that's just one less thing that they have to worry about uh, from a, a minute to minute basis. So is Gravy the technology or the name of the company who curates playlists? That's the name of the company. And what's so the technology? Gray, then letter V. Yep. What's that? It's uh, the color gray and then letter V. Oh, gray V. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and where? What technology are you playing music through? Uh, basic sound system. But do you have um, for like licensing purposes? Did so their, their music paid? will be licensed. Yep. Got it, got it. Yep. Um, and this is the last question. Get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your restaurants, and your, everything about your restaurants and you would be lost with the, the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? That's pretty heavy, uh, yeah, heavy way to end up. Um, Got to end with a splash. Man. <laughs> uh, what this does is great is uh, really put, peeling back the layers on what really matters. Um, and for me, it's treating others how you want to be treated. One. Uh, celebrate even the tiniest wins. Two. And surrounding yourself with good people. This has been such a great conversation. I've absolutely surrounded myself with a good person today. Um, sharing your story, your perspective, your knowledge has been a blast. Who do you respect and admire? And if you found out this person was a guest, like you were a guest for us today, you would absolutely listen to that episode. You know, uh, someone in our community um, that uh, really blazed the trail for approachable fine dining Um he and it's a uh, husband and wife team, Andy and Carrie Schumacher. Um, they're, uh, they started with Cobble Hill in Cedar Rapids and, uh, also have a, um, a taco place called Caucho. Um, Andy, uh, has some, uh, fame behind him. He was, uh, runner up to Guy Fieri for the next, uh, great television or food network star. Oh, man. Um, and so that's kind of where he kicked off, but, uh, he has Iowa, roots and um they really set the bar for us and they're based in iowa city based in cedar rapids oh cedar rapids and that's andy and sandy andy and carrie carrie thank you and you said is it same last name is yours it's not it, that's another i thought i was saying like your name them. wrong the whole time i was like <laughs> oh, was that, are they saying his name wrong um yeah. shoe shoemacher uh, like the race car driver yeah beautiful look out you two i'm coming after you i'd love to get you on the show uh and i just can't say thank you enough if we we're interested in joining your team where there is room for growth. And as we pointed out, it's all about creating opportunity for others. We want to come join your team. Maybe we just have questions. What's the best way to connect? Yeah, we're, we're always uh, looking for people that are passionate about hospitality and want to be part of a, uh, a company that's right at the infant stage of uh, um, massive growth. Um, so if you visit our careers page at 30hop.com, 
Um, and you can also drop me a note at uh, eric at 30hop.com, E-R-I-K. Eric, my man, thank you so much. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable in the last of my Iowa State interviews. Special thanks to all my guests who made this trip possible and a special thanks to SavAndSam.com for accompanying me on these interviews and helping me set up these interviews and just for the past six months of collaboration. It was really great working with you guys and um Moving in this direction of trying to grow my YouTube channel. I'm really excited about that. If you guys have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, head over to youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable in going into the future. It's going to be my goal to really slow down, to put more energy into our YouTube channel and creating content for that. And honestly, kind of, and I'm a little almost worried about saying this out loud, but I think it's what needs to happen. Transitioning my focus away from restaurant unstoppable network and to being on the road 100% of my content. I want to be recorded in person. That's going to be hard. It's going to be a real challenge. I'm going to have to travel once a month and I try to get six interviews on site interviews across the country every month. And I need your support guys. And it's not going to be easy, but it's totally worth doing. I believe the obstacle is the way and uh, it's, this is how you can support this mission of helping us go 100% on site. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. Speaking of affiliates, this episode, Roger Bodwin, one of our affiliates from serve Rogers hooking us up. So if you are in need of a training platform to load your material on, to train your people, to get them selling like crazy, then do check out SRV now com and make sure you let them know that we sent you their way and then you can join the network and i know you're thinking to yourself eric you just said you're trying to transition away from the network why would i join the network well because i'm starting to realize that my role is a community builder not a community manager and while i want to transition away from the network i still want the network to go strong it's still my network of past guests and the people who are listening to the show coming together to support each other to share knowledge and to help you connect with the tools and services or their recommending i just don't need to be controlling it all i'm trying to let go of the reins and extend trust and to let it kind of fly on its own so i'm looking for a community manager i'm a community builder not a community manager if you think you are a community manager have some people in mind already but you know we need all the help we can get feel free to reach out to me eric at restaurant and that's it thank you guys so much for sticking around this long Until next time, peace out.